Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We got a lot of football for you today. The Rose Bowl is getting closer. Nick Ford, Ute captain, joins us every week. He joined us in the middle of the show on Monday for you early risers. Here's PK and I and our conversation with Ute Center and the leader of the offensive line and really captain of the team, a guy I think a lot of guys look up to. Here's Nick Ford with PK and I. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Disneyland, huh? The dream starts here. <laughs> yeah, Disneyland, man. <laughs> Something you've probably done a time or two, being an L.A. kid. Uh, we saw that uh, last week you decided to uh, try your hand in the NFL. Now, obviously, you've accomplished just about everything you needed to accomplish at the collegiate level, uh, academically, in the classroom, and out on the football field. But nevertheless, how hard of a decision was it for you? Uh, I mean, it it was very hard, but I mean, like I said, I accomplished a lot here, almost everything here, and you know, I got a you know a lot of responsibilities in life, and um, you know, it's just about that time to make that transition in my life. So it is a big decision to make. It's easy for someone who isn't making it for their own life to say, oh, yeah, this guy should go or that guy shouldn't go. And you may have played that game a time or two yourself uh, the last few years watching guys you played against in college football. But it's different when it's yourself. And I'm, I'm curious, who did you go to uh, to get advice? Uh, how many NFL people did you hear from or people in your own life or in the Utah program? How, how does that work? Who do you listen to? Oh, man, the- I think it's more uh, you got to have an internal uh, feeling about it because you hear all types of things from every type of person in every direction. And uh, it's really, really hard because you don't know what to listen to, what not to listen to, because, um, you know, everyone has your best interest. Well, not everyone, but most people um, that you hear from. So, um, you know, just hearing different things is um really heart-wrenching sometimes and uh it's more of an internal decision than you know just going with your gut feeling we know the rose bowl has a lot of activities designed to allow the players and everybody in the program to have fun disneyland being one of them uh lowry's uh with the prime rib it's been a tradition forever all this stuff how do you balance having fun but at the same time being prepared to play the ball game Oh, you just simply got to know, like, when to work and when not to. And, I mean, that's, uh, you know, a big part of this program and why we win bowl games because we know when to, uh, you know, go have fun and we know when, you know, to lock in. Uh, We're going to go out here to practice in a little bit and it's time to practice and that's the only thing we're worried about. And, you know, Disneyland's for later, that's all. And then we'll worry about that then. But, yeah, it's just separating the two and making sure that, uh, you know, you just do it responsibly. So what kind of precautions do they have you taken? And we're all hearing the news about the military bowl and the sun bowl and uh, I forget all the bowls, the Hawaii bowl. uh, And nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but I think most sane people do not want that to happen to you guys in the Rose Bowl. So what do they have you doing? Um, They just really have us sticking to ourselves. I mean, they have everything kind of in our own own space. Um, You know, when you go out to like Disneyland and stuff, uh, it's, you know, there might be some people there and whatnot. And uh, I think um, the combination of how strict the guidelines are in L.A. and then, um, you know, how they're treating us and trying to keep us away, I think we'll be okay. I don't know how much time you've had to study Ohio State, but if you had, what do you see from them? 
them. They're good defense, um, you know, fundamentally sound. They got some good athletes and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're well respected and we well respect them. Um, but that doesn't mean, uh, we can't do what, you know, we've been doing all year. Um, that being said, you know, like, like I just said, they're, they're a great defense. So it's going to be a 60 minute game. It's going to be a dog fight. Um, you know, they will take advantage of you if you, uh, don't, work your fundamentals and I feel like we'll take advantage of them if they don't work their fundamentals so it's just going to be a you know a um, I think it's going to come down to not only a physical game but a technical game and making sure your technique's on point Did you watch Oregon run for 269 yards on these guys and then Michigan beat that total and how much do you take from that and how much can your run game do what those two schools did because those are the only two teams to beat these guys yeah, no, like like I said, um, they're a great defense. And, you know, looking at our offense is very similar. And, uh, you know, that's a style of offense. Uh, you may start off bloody in a couple yards, but then we start breaking some big runs. And, you know, I'm sure they know that, and I'm sure they're going to have a plan for it. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to have to make adjustments. But uh, we're not going to stray away from our style of play. Um, we're not – running the ball because uh you know we feel like Oregon and uh Michigan were you know amazing at it and that's what we had to switch our game plan to but that's just our game plan and how we play so um you know it gives us uh you know something to look at and uh something to uh study to prepare but otherwise than that you know we're just gonna play our game which is running the ball you've played in this stadium before obviously but here it's the actual Rose Bowl itself as an LA kid growing up obviously that must have been a dream and the dream is going to be realized do you think that whether it's during pregame or when you come running out for the official start of the game will you have any time will you be able to soak it all in uh, personally, I was just sucking in all after after the fact uh, I try not to uh, get too crazy about things uh you know, prior to the game or during the game because it, it kind of, like, uh, will offset some people. So, uh, you know, after the fact, I'll go ahead and look around and, you know, be like, oh, man, like, it's actually the Rose Bowl. But, I mean, until then, it's, uh, you know, it's a business trip. We came down here to do something, and we've got to do it. So how many tickets have you been able to get your hands on and how many people have you had to have hard conversations with? Sorry, yeah. not happening. Uh, I got my hands on about like 12 and I've had have probably the same amount of hard conversations but they went and bought some tickets so what do you normally get oh uh, so normally we get about four but um you know, up in Salt Lake, or depending on where we are, like for the last uh, for the last two LA games, I got about like twenty to twenty five. But it was a lot harder this time because not only do uh, you know we have a bunch of boys that live in LA and LA area, um, a bunch of people from Arizona and Salt Lake and Texas, they all want to come to the game, and they all came out here. So. <laughs> Uh, well, that's the price. That's the f- price of fame and fortune right there, Nick. What are you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> You're in the Rose Bowl. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. So, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious as you watch this uh, play out, has uh, there been in, and you're pretty early in the week though still, has there been anything that's a surprise or different in the buildup to the Rose Bowl 
other than all your memories and the hype that goes with the game, or is it really like other bowls and prepping for other games? Um, I think the experience is going to be fun. You know, I got to the hotels downtown. Um, I'm kind of used to downtown because I've been up over here for a while now. I grew up over here. Um, well, not downtown, but in San Pedro. Um, so I think that uh, kind of phased that out for uh, for me a little bit. But you could tell some of the boys who've never been to L.A. Um, or have been to L.A. just for football. It's kind of, you know, they're in, they're in I want to say awe, but they're enjoying it. Um, you know, heading over to Disneyland. Again, some people have never been. Um, you know, it's exciting, though. Go over there, get me a turkey leg. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just I've been looking at the itinerary and all the stuff we're going to do. It uh, it looks like we're going to have a lot of fun and they're balancing out, you know, when we have to practice, um, when we're going to have fun, and when our recovery time is. This whole week, and particularly the game, gives the University of Utah football program basically unprecedented exposure. And I think it's important for the university to cash in on this exposure and this wave of attention that the program is getting. From your perspective, you've been in the program for a number of years, and as you are basically aging out of the program and going on to the NFL, do you think that there's anything that the program needs that maybe it can get through donors or whatever uh, through all this attention and excitement and everything that's going around in the program. So what I'm, I'm basically I'm asking, is there anything that you think that they can cash in on to benefit the program that needs to be cashed in on? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Um, you know, I'm not big on uh, – you know, looking for uh, monetary gain, especially from when I was in uh, college and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, maybe some people are interested in uh, NIL to help some of the boys out because I know some of the boys uh, struggle off the field. Um, And then maybe, you know, it's just donating and uh, getting involved that way. You know, there's there's tons of ways to get involved. you know, I think the the main thing is support, especially uh, the year we have faced. Was that that was the main thing that got us through, um, and that's you know support no matter what. I mean, I know I know we started one and two, but I mean it's about it's about the journey and not like how you get there. Sometimes, you know what I mean. Um, it may not have been an ideal year at the start of the year, but uh, you know, um, just uh, you know stick through it and support and. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I, this program has really good characters and uh, really good sports quality. And, um, yeah, I think by the end of the day, uh, if you can continue to support, whether that's, you know, by helping support financially or, you know, just supporting, just being a good person, um, a lot of the kids here are going to thrive and become really great people on and off the field. And, uh I think that's what, you know, everyone could do for uh, this uh, football team. Well, Nick, we know you got to run. You're scheduled today, but thanks for a few minutes this morning, and good luck in the game, and we will talk to you uh, after the game. Appreciate it. You guys take care. There is Nick Ford. When we come back, more football. Jay Stevens joins us. He covers the Buckeyes for the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to hear from Jay Stevens, get his take on the Buckeyes who pulled out of this game. How surprised was he? How big an impact is this going to have? They're good, but it's not like the guys behind him are short and slow. However, maybe not as experienced, 
Not as used to making the big plays, the big game-changing plays. We'll talk to Jay Stevens about that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Jay, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, we, of course, uh, everyone got the news. Ohio State is going to be missing two wide receivers, an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, starters, impact guys. How, uh, how surprised were people that it came this late? Usually this news comes pretty quickly after the bowl uh, pairings are announced. When I didn't hear anything for about a week, I thought, well, maybe it's the Rose Bowl, so everybody's going to play. And now it turns out in the final week leading up to the Rose Bowl, everybody isn't going to play. How surprised or how off guard did this catch uh, the Buckeyes? So, as regards to the timetable about when it came out, Ryan Day and the team has been very tight with player availability all year long. So I'm not really surprised it came out the week of the game. That part didn't surprise me. It just followed the track record and timetable that Ryan Day has utilized all season as far as who's going to play, if they can play, when they can play. Well, announced it at the very last minute. The one thing that did surprise me was Chris Olave opting out. And here's why. Last week there were some Ohio State beat writers that were talking on a podcast, and they said they had already heard rumblings internally that Haskell Garrett, Nicholson Petit Frere, and then Garrett Wilson are going to opt out, but nothing was official yet. There were just things that they had heard based off people they had talked to. Chris Olave was in a video on Twitter practicing last week. He was even seen in a psychic uniform on Monday, shortly before the announcement came out that he was going to be opting out of the Rose Bowl. And so that's the biggest surprise. Last week when I heard the three possible names that would, that would possibly opt out, Garrett Wilson didn't surprise me. The left tackle didn't surprise me. Haskell Garrett was up in the air, but I thought he was going to play. But Alave being in a practice uniform, even the day that he had opt, decided to opt out, that one surprised me the most. Statistically, you look at the numbers, and they've got three eye-popping receivers that jump out at you. Obviously, not two of them are going to be gone in Wilson and Alave. And Alave had 936 yards, so he was the third highest in terms of receiving yards. And then there's a 700-yard drop-off between him and the next player, so the fourth leading receiver then, who is the running back, Henderson. My thought for you is how will they compensate for the loss of these two individuals with Wilson and Olave. Uh, Henderson is a pretty good running back. Uh, do they run the ball more? Do they throw the ball out of the backfield more to him? Or do some other guys that we don't know about step up and replace these guys and so the offense doesn't change that much? I think it'll be a mixture of the two. Ryan Day's been very pass-heavy uh, this season, even when it's with the scripted plays early in the game, first 10 to 15 plays that are scripted. You can tell He's trying to get the ball moving through the air very quickly. Run is second. I think we're going to see more of a mixture um, of in the run game and pass, not so much pass heavy the entire time. You mentioned Travion Henderson. I think we'll see a lot more a mixture of splitting the carries between Henderson and Mayan Williams, the backup running back. I think we'll see those two guys split carries in this game. There are some receivers that will be able to play that really haven't played much this year due to Olave Wilson being out. But I don't think Ryan Day is going to – 
be as pass-heavy as he has been all year because these guys haven't got the run, haven't got the clock that the other two guys have gotten all year. And so he's kind of you're gonna have to kind of play the strong hand. Is, is it going to be Henderson running the ball? Is it going to be Brian Williams running the ball, mixing in some of the younger receivers? Is Jeremy Ruckers going to be featured more in this game? A player that I think can be, but has not been this year, really throughout his entirety of his career at Ohio State. So I think we're going to see more of a mixture, more of a balanced attack from Ohio State, not so pass-heavy with Wilson and Olave not playing in the game. So there's a couple things to assess that make bowl games different than the regular season games. One is the opt-outs and the level of talent that's present. And then the second is the motivation level. And certainly, Ute fans uh, got sick of hearing that Alabama didn't want to be there after the 2008 season, 2009 Sugar Bowl game. Does Ohio State want to be there? Absolutely. I know there may be a narrative out there from people, I see stuff on Twitter, that the players don't want to be there or it's just a meaningless bowl game. I wouldn't go that far. I think the players do want to be there. I think they've been working all between the last game of the season for Ohio State, the ugly loss to Michigan, and then this game now. I, think they, I do believe they want to be there. I do believe they're going to bring their best game. And I do believe that Ryan Day is preparing this team in the way that he is not taking this team, this Utah team lightly, or taking this moment lightly, being at the Rose Bowl. It's not called the granddaddy of them all for no reason. It's not on New Year's Day for no reason. The time slot is not solidified for no reason. All these things go into what the Rose Bowl is. And I think because it is the Rose Bowl, it adds an added level of motivation for those players that are going to be playing on New Year's Day. One of the things that's scary about the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world is years ago it seemed like, you know, they were so heavily oriented towards the run and the quarterback was the proverbial game manager. But now these two programs who are as elite as they can get, they're, they're putting in NFL quarterbacks, and it's become basically an assembly line of NFL quarterbacks. It's like whoever the starter is, it's presumed that he's going to be a high draft pick, probably a first-rounder, and we've seen that with the Buckeye program here in recent years. My thought for you is just Shroud, you look at him, you know, basically getting in there to start, and it's looking like he's having a really good season. Just how good is he? He is really good. He has blown me away after coming off. As he missed the Akron game earlier in the year. He got injured in fall camp and injured in the B. Well, right, I believe the Minnesota game, game number one, he, had, he got injured in that game. So he was nursing a couple injuries, missed the game, and then his growth throughout the season, his ability pre-snap to post-snap, being able to acknowledge what the defense is doing and then attack the weakness that the defense has on that particular play, the intangibles that he has, and then his ability to anticipate throws in a way that even at times as we marvel at Justin Fields, the quarterback that he was at Ohio State, Stroud has shown me a level of anticipation that we rarely saw from Justin Fields. And that's the biggest thing to me that I've seen. He is his timing, his anticipation – and we've even seen him be very poised at times when a lot of quarterbacks would be rattled. I am very blown away by his play this year, and I'm excited to see what he does Saturday against a really good Utah football team. Ohio State only lost two games all year. They gave up 269 yards rushing and lost to Oregon. They gave up 297 and lost to Michigan. Can Utah run the ball, keep that high-powered offense on the sideline where they can't do any damage, and pull off the upset? You said, can they? 
All right, will they? <laughs> if you want to use can they as a dodge. But you know what I'm getting at. So, yes. So I'm going to be – let's a little bit deeper into the opt-out. Because I didn't hit on one guy that I think may be forgotten by a lot of people. You don't want to harp on a lobby at Wilson and even the left tackle. Left tackle, very important. But losing Haskell Garrett on that defense is huge. And I've been going back and forth about this for a while. Ohio State's rotated a lot of guys on defense, been very confusing. But also you want to have guys that were playing more than maybe people thought they should or would that are going to, are going to get a lot of playing time in this game. Losing Haskell Garrett, three-tech defensive tackle, is huge. You leave the team in sacks and TFLs, tackles for loss. And so I do know the rushing attack. I do know what we, the last time we saw Ohio State play a football game, they got gashed, they got embarrassed, they got called soft, and the best linebacker in Ohio State acknowledged that they were soft in that game. I called them soft. People I know called them soft. They were soft. With a lot of time in between Ohio State playing it against Michigan and then now, I almost forgot that this is not a new season. This is the same team. And Ohio State's been soft all year. Do I think they'll play tougher than they did against Michigan? Yes. But my fear is the rushing attack that you mentioned is going to be enough to pull off the upset. I am still up in the air on this, but as I'm talking it out, losing Haskell Garrett is big. I don't know what to expect in these linebackers or how, what linebackers are going to play. Ohio State's played too many guys at times. Um, I am leaning more towards the upset, and it pains me to say that. That physical team Utah has and Ohio State. That the last time I saw them play, Ohio State was not the Ohio State team that I expected to see in Ann Arbor. And my fear and my gut telling me we're, going, we're possibly, probably going to see more of that team on Saturday. Utah's athletic director came on our station a week or so ago and said that uh, wouldn't be surprised if saw 60,000 people that are Ute fans in the Rose Bowl. And I think I saw that Ohio State returned some tickets. Uh, how many Ohio State fans do you think are going to be there? Man, I'm probably thinking it could be 60-40 Utah fans. It could be 70-30 Utah fans. The big thing, Ohio State returned 7,000 of their 20,000 allotment that they got. And that was at first alarming. But when you add in ticket prices, um, the cost of flying to Pasadena, the cost of hotels and food and a car once you get there, and then even the uncertainty about playing the game, going from Ohio or wherever you are in the country to California, there's been so many bowl games canceled that I'm sure a lot of people – are really wondering, is the game going to be played? Because we're seeing bowl games canceled left and right. Um, so, yeah, it could be 60-40. It could be set. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 70-30, to be honest with you, uh, just based off the amount of money that people are going to be spending just to go to that game in the time period we're living in right now. Um, yeah, the, the, the Utah fans could well be loud. Um, it, they'll probably dominate them. And I'm curious to see how loud it is at kickoff um, as far as who dominates the, the the sound, is it more Utah fans or Ohio State fans? 70-30, I wouldn't be surprised if the split is that way for each, for each fan base. Yeah, they wear the same color, so at least the stands won't look too embarrassing, right? It's not like I when Iowa was there true. with the black and gold. You know exactly who's Iowa and who isn't. So th- this will be a little this different. True. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate the time, Jay. Thanks for coming on and talking Rose Bowl with us. 
Yeah, no problem, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. There is Jay Stevens. When we come back, Pace Mannion, former Ute, former Jazz guy. We'll talk basketball with him. His son, Nico, was drafted by the Warriors and is uh, now playing in Italy. Has had some uh, major health challenges. Talk to Pace a little bit about that. And Pace has lived in Utah and Arizona. His son plays for the Warriors. Yeah, he's tracking the top three teams in the NBA. We'll get his take on how they stack up and where they go over these last 50 regular season games. A little less than 50 now. 48, 49 games for these teams. We'll talk with Pace next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Pace Mannion on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Pace, good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> Sorry about texting you at midnight. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. Don't know where in the world you are sometimes. <laughs> it's all good. Pace joining us from uh, Italy now, where he played and his wife is from, and and your son Nico is now is now playing, getting ready to play. He's he's getting ready. I had a tough uh, hit a virus. So he had lost a lost a lot of weight, lost about 40, 45 pounds, but he's back now and he's you know he should start playing here in the next week or so once they get off this uh this little break they're on right now. If you weigh 180, how do you lose 40 pounds? Yeah, trust me, it was scary and it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. <laughs> I was I I told him I could use that, but you can't. You know. Yeah, yeah. At his age now, check back in forty years; it'd be another but, story, right? <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, you know he's back now, which is good because it was uh, you know it, it was scary. It was it was something you don't ever want to see anybody go through. As much pain as he was in, and and what was going on with him was uh, was really scary. But he got to Bologna and they they figured it all out, and you know he spent a few days in the hospital, but uh, he's he's good now. So thank God for that. How's the medical world over there compared to what we have here? <laughs> Well, I think it depends on where you go, you know, and there are certain cities that I think you're very lucky to be in, and one of them is Bologna that has a very good a good hospital here with a, 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 all their, uh, what do you call them, every part of their hospital is, is one of the best. You get people traveling from the world to come here. So, And the doctors, obviously, because of where he is, playing for the, the biggest team in Italy, Virtus Bologna, you know, he gets good care, so that was great. And Gaia was here with him to monitor everything, and they, they were fantastic. I, you know, he got, once he got out of the hospital, he put on about he put on about forty pounds in thirty three days. So, well, so did I. His, yeah, <laughs> that's when you had the hot dog though. Yeah. Oh, he's on the DJ hot dog plan. Sweet. <laughs> no, I was, but what I think the you know his 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 problem was you know his blood count got really low because he was he was losing so much blood, and and once the blood was able to carry nutrients to his body. You know, his body just grabbed all of them. The weight came back quick. Then he had to put his muscle mass back on. He came back a little early, tweaked his back. Core wasn't ready to be playing yet. And so that's why they held him out for a couple of weeks. But he's uh, – they've had about five days off because there's some COVID-related issues with the team. Two guys were positive, so they shut the team down for three days. We've been kind of in lockdown in the house for a while. But it's all good. You know, he's healthy. He'll start playing when he's ready to play. That's all I'm – I'm concerned about. He's in a great city. He's with a great team. You know, there he'll get better. Obviously, his dream is to get back to the NBA, which I think will happen in a year or two. So, it's a it's a much tougher it's a tougher way to play basketball than it is the NBA in Europe because of the style. So, you know, once you get successful over here, coming back there with the spacing and the rules, it seems to come a lot easier for guys. 
Pace Mannion joining us, former Ute. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because obviously your son Nico was drafted by the Warriors, played for the Warriors. Uh, you lived in Utah after you were done playing and you did uh, radio and TV. And there's a bunch of hilarious stories. I wish we had time to get into about we that. We don't have any time. I have time for that. So <laughs> let them go. Just let them go. Okay. And then, uh, well, we already brought up the hot dog. That's one story. Uh, and then you moved you moved to Arizona, and that's where Nico went to high school. So you were in Phoenix, and now you've relocated to Utah with, with him going, going to Italy. But that's Utah, Arizona, Golden State ties. And look at what three clubs have the best record in the NBA. And you can tell me you're not following pace, but I wouldn't believe you. I know you're following all three of them for multiple reasons, partly fan, partly professional memories, and partly your son's future. So you've got multiple reasons to follow all of these, and I'm curious. Uh, we've had Warriors Suns games now. We've seen them play, and it's regular season, and Clay Thompson isn't there, so it's certainly not perfect for the, you know, you know, to line us up for what might happen in a playoff series. That could look really different. We haven't seen the Jazz play either one of those teams yet. So with all that factored in, what do you think? Well, I think you know what the Jazz are three games out of first. They're a game out of second. I mean, they're they're in the mix for everything, and right now it's. You know, you're playing to get seeding and be home court advantage and all the things you want, but they're capable of beating anybody. Right now, the Warriors are are, are playing extremely well. It'll be interesting to see what they do when when Clay comes back, when Wiseman comes back. Does it help them? Does it hurt their chemistry? Are there some you know chinks in the armor? Do they find? It'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. The thing I look at when I watch these teams play is. And, and not to not go bear because he's been playing fantastic for the Jazz. He's been phenomenal. But when you get to the playoffs and one team goes small ball, can you allow to leave Rudy on the floor? And and that's what I, where the Warriors, I think, take advantage of a lot of people with their ball movement. And if they move Draymond to the four or the five even and, and go small, they're tough to guard. And they just surround you with shooters and they, they move the ball so well. And guys are unselfish. And it's, uh, it's tough to beat them. So that's the the thing that the the Jazz will have to figure out down the road to beat those teams. I think the Suns are very good, but they rarely go as small as anybody else. They like to keep DeAndre on the floor. He's he's been playing great all year, Aiton. So it's uh, but those three teams in the West right now. I think you you know flip a coin because all three of them will be in the mix come the end of the year. And we saw that you speak of that small ball last year. We still have nightmares of that Terrence Mann going off and having the game of his life, hitting all those corner threes, and and the Jazz look a little discombobulated. Do you think if that situation arises, and you speak of the Warriors and they're very proficient at that, particularly when Thompson comes back, can the Jazz? have Gobert on the floor, but take him away from the basket? Would they be willing to do that, knowing that that's his strength, but because of the lineups that they have of the other team, maybe be forced to do that? And can they do that? And would would they be okay if they did do that? Well, I think you have to have him come away from the basket, you know, because if not, that's what happens. You know, he gets stuck in a, you know, in a drop coverage, you know, on some moves or he gets caught in a switch where he's got, you know, Clay Thompson, you have to go out. It's not like you can say, I'm not going to go guard him. So either he figures out a way to go out and guard those guys or chase them off the line, hope your rotations are really good. Um, but it's, you know, again, nobody passes the ball as well as Warriors. You know, they're, and they're coming from the San Antonio mold because that's where, you know, Kerr was under pop and he's seen how that works and share the basketball. There's, you know, you have your superstars on that Warrior team. But, 
there's everybody everybody knows how to play in that system right now, and they're figuring it out really well. So um, I think the the Jazz can figure it out, but it's uh, it's it's going to be tough. I think Rudy's the key. Can he manage that playoff time when the team goes small? Can he manage to stay on the floor and not hurt them? So I don't have a problem with that necessarily because he could have gone out to the corner and stood there and made sure Terrence Mann get, got shots. But to me, the problem was the other guys couldn't stay in front of their man. So if Rudy goes out to the corner and makes sure Terrence Mann or whoever he's matched up with in a Warrior series or a Sun series doesn't go off, are all the other guys giving up layups because they can't stay in front of their guys? Well, look, you're talking about the best players in the world, you know, and there's not many guys that can that stay in front say, of Steph Curry. <laughs> we're, well, in front of any, you know, you yeah. name any starting point guard in the NBA, you know, and all of them are, are capable of beating you off the bounce. You know, do you want to go out and guard Dane? Do you want to go out and guard Steph? Do you want to guard Chris Paul? That's why they are who they are. And when you get to the playoffs, you're playing against the best teams that have gotten there because they're better than everybody else. So you're getting those better guards and the better twos, better threes, all those guys can put it on the floor and beat you. So it's everybody's going to do that. The teams that shoot the three ball in the playoffs seem to do really well um, because it's just a backbreaker. You know, you can be down 9, 10, 12 points, and in three possessions you're right back in the game. So, and the Warriors are the best at that because of Steph. Well, and Clay, obviously. but they're, And Jordan Poole has stepped up, even though he's out with the protocol right now. He's, you know, he's playing really well in, in the place of Clay right now, and he's shown he can score. Obviously, he's not Clay Thompson yet, but you know he's he's looking to make a nice contract next year as well. Yeah, that's what mads me the intrigue about when Thompson comes back and he's coming back sooner than later, because you've got players like Poole and uh, Peyton's son who are stepping up. But what do you think is going to happen? Because I don't think they can just bring him back and these other guys can continue to play at their level because there's just simply not enough shots. Curry's going to get his. I mean, you're not going to discourage him from shooting, obviously. Whose games are going to suffer from the Warriors, and how will it affect the overall product? Well, excuse me. in my opinion, I think you know Gary Payton will be the one that will suffer the most because he's the least offensive skilled player they have in the, on the perimeter, although he's played well as of late. He's your defensive guy. But, you know, if you could put Clay, because they really don't, that system they run, uh, the point guard is not as important as you think because Dre brings it up. They, you know, even if Steph brings it up, he's giving it up and getting off the ball for a catch and shoot. So if you've got Clay and Jordan Poole and Steph, all three on the perimeter, which all three shoot the ball as well as they do, and you put Draymond at the five and play Otto Porter at the four, or vice versa, you've got four guys that are great at shooting the three ball. It's a tough one to guard. So I think Peyton loses a few minutes. Jordan Poole might lose a few if they because I know Kerr will try to keep everybody happy for a while. And then the minute they start to have to make a run, he'll cut his rotation to eight like he did last year and say, okay, we want to try and win some games and, and for our seeding or for whatever. And, and that's when guys will have their minutes cut out. But he won't do it too early because the season's too long. You don't want to He'll keep playing Steph his, you know, his 36 minutes, and that's where he keeps him at all year long, and then he'll bump it up towards the end during the playoffs if they need him on the court more. Pace Mannion joining us, former Ute, former Jazz guy, former broadcaster locally. And have you seen enough of the Jazz going small with Rudy Gay to assess how good that is, how much of a problem will that cause 
really good teams in playoff series? You know, I haven't seen it, but I know enough about Jay. And the Jazz system is, I mean, they run a great system. You know, their ball movement, you know, their their penetration and kick, their, you know, their pick and roll stuff they do. I mean, Quinn Snyder's a genius, obviously. He's done a great job there. And I think, like like you pointed out, PK, you, you, what happened, you know, with the, with the Clippers and, and, and the shots they got in the, in the, in the playoffs, that will, those are things you'll look at and go, how do we fix that? And if anybody can do it, you know, Snyder can. He's... He's been there. He, he knows how to, how to coach. So those things will happen. And if Rudy's, you know, I haven't seen him this year, but if, if he's good enough to, to rebound and defend and, and do what he needs to do at that position, you know, you can get away with it if everybody's going small. Um, he'll, be, he'll be fine. I, I, I truly believe in that system. That's one of the systems I really, really like in the NBA. If you watch teams play, they're, they're one of the ones you enjoy going to games and seeing how they, how they run their offense. With you being over there in Italy, we've seen so many players come over, and not just any of the bench guys. It used to be, the, the, you know, maybe they can contribute, but now that they're major contributors all throughout the entire European leagues, of every one of them. I'm wondering now, as you're watching this, uh, how much uh, improvement has the game been over there to where there will be significant contributions of players, uh, more role players. What do you see as far as the future of foreign basketball impacting the NBA? Well, it's already impacted it quite a bit, but I think the game over here has changed tremendously from when I was here. And a lot of it's because they don't have as... When I was here, you can only have two foreigners. Now you can have as many, it seems like as many as you want. But they, the game has gotten so physical over here, um, it's astonishing to me how physical it is. Um, it's worse than watching, you know, Detroit and Chicago in the playoffs back in Michael's early years. Really? Because, yeah, it is just, there's so much contact, there's so much banging. They don't allow a hand check, but the forearm on the perimeter, you know, you can bump guards off their line, you can do what you want to do out front, they let you get away with a lot of stuff. So I think what you'll see is the guys that are skilled enough over here, the Europeans that are skilled enough to play in the NBA because when they get there, guys like, you know, you wonder why Doncic had such great success. He'd been playing from the time he was 15 years old in the European, in the EuroLeague. So he'd been getting beat up forever. When you watch the European game, then you come back and watch an NBA game. The NBA game looks, there's so much space and it seems like there's no contact compared to what you're seeing here. And so I think those guys will get there and they'll have a bigger impact because once they do get there, they're going to realize I have more space. The game is faster. They don't want to call they, they want to call the fouls because they're giving the offense the advantage because they want more scoring for the fans. And over here they don't care about that. Over here they, they could care less about what the fans want. It's all about we're going to go by the book. There's no gray area. It's black and white. And so but it's 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 a good game to watch. It's just not as fast or as free flowing as an NBA game. But I think you'll see guys come over and have big impact in the next few years. Cuz there are some very good players over here. All right, now let's get to the good stuff. <clears throat> so everyone, I think, now he's got an MVP and, and Jokic is playing great for Denver and carrying them when there's very little around him. And when he subs out of a game, everything falls apart. And everybody's got that down cold. But the Jokic brothers, that surprised people a little bit. Did you know about them? No, I still don't. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. 
Uh, I would just I, say I've that him, if you... I've seen Jokic brothers in the stands getting ready to fight, but I didn't know there was anybody else out there. <laughs> that was that's what I was talking about. <laughs> those guys, those guys. Uh, I don't think I want to get into it with Nikola. No, I think you let him go because he's got more backup than most guys. Yeah, you know, right. His, and it's family, so they're willing to go. You know, to the mat all the way. Yeah, yeah they're going to go all the way. So, but it's. Uh, I tell you, that's it's, it's it's great. He's got that. You know, when you come to another country. And you're going to get harassed. It's nice to have family in the stands to do what they do. <laughs> I would love that. Are you kidding me? The only thing PK misses, you know, they're not Italian because otherwise it'd be straight out of The Godfather and PK <laughs> right, would be right. all about it'd, it'd be, it. It'd be all mafia stuff for PK. I know. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering as far as the advancements in salaries over there in Europe, as far as, you know, what they make, and is it the dream for kids who grow up in pick a country to play in the NBA because if you're getting highly compensated over there, you know, obviously it's a major impact on your life. The basketball is one thing, but you know, it always amazes me. These guys that come over and you did it the other way. You were a little older though. You weren't, you know, like 18, 19 years old when you went over to uh, Italy, you were older. And so it amazes, it amazes me to get these, pluck these kids out of countries where they do it in baseball, you know, they're, they're so young and from the Latin American countries and then they bring them over and it's got to be this massive adjustment. Is it still the goal of kids who grow up in whatever country over there to play in the, in, in the NBA? I think it is for some of them, but I think there are so many guys over here at PK that they start playing and they, they love the city they're in. They love the team they're on. They love the, everything about the European league. Excuse me, but they and they're making good money, and they just don't want to risk. You know, if I go to the NBA and I don't play and I fail, you know, and then I got to come back here and it's it's and it's an ego thing for them. But I think a lot of them, if they go, you know, like Ginobili when he went, he took a pay cut to go, but then obviously he made that money back because he was good enough to make that money back. You know, I look at Nico coming here this year, and. You know, the money he's making this year is so much more than he'd have made in the NBA. He's making as much as some of the guys that got drafted in the first round the year before when he was when he was drafted in the second round because they they pay him X amount of dollars. They pay a 50% tax on that salary. He's living in a $2.5 million apartment downtown Bologna, and they give him a – he's driving a Porsche. So, nice. I mean, your house, your car, your salary, um, everything's taken care of, so it's – and the lifestyle here, it depends on where you're at. Obviously, he's in a great city. So that's one of the nicest things you can have is, you know, where you live is a big key because you got to be here for nine months out of the year. But this is a great spot for him. You know, he wanted to play one year and come back. I don't know if that will happen because you're only going to get about half a season in because of the, the sickness he had. But like I said, you know, you've got a two-year guaranteed contract. You're, you're good. You're going to be fine. You're 20 years old. You, haven't even, you won't turn 21 until March. You know, you're still you'll be coming. If you do go back in two years, you'll be like some guys just coming out of college that were in the class yeah. when you came here. Yeah. So, well, it, it, when guys go over, who in, in this case haven't played in the in the league, when they go over and then they want to come back, are they free agents? Well, Nico isn't because they still all they have to do is make an offering. <clears throat> they make an offer, uh, a qualifying offer every year, which they told him they were going to do. He'll still be the rights of the Warriors. They'll still be able to okay. match any offer he gets. But, okay. You know, Nico's not worried about that. He just said, you know, I think when I come back, the offer will be good enough that they'll, if they match it, they're matching yeah. it because they know I'm going to come play. Right, right, and right. If they don't, I'm going somewhere I'm going to get to play anyway. So that's all anybody wants. You talk about being in the NBA, and you talk, you know, you talk about getting 
shots taken away like you were talking about before with the Warriors. Guys aren't worried about their shots. They're worried about their minutes. You know, as long as you get on the floor, most guys get on the floor and you, you watch this even now when you're seeing all these guys come up from the G League getting these you know, time to play, everybody can play. A lot of guys can play in that league um, given the opportunity. You just got to be in the right place at the right time and, mm-hmm. and, and get a shot. You know, like all these young guys in Houston, they're a horrible team, but all these young guys are getting all the minutes they want because they're so bad. And that's, yeah. you know, yeah, you're learning by losing, but you're still learning. And it's, it's a good thing to go through. Well, last thing before we let you go, you are a Ute. And when you played at the University of Utah, the football program was in a really different place. <laughs> Literally, the football coaches had offices in the basketball arena. You probably crossed paths with them to some oh, yeah. point. It was not a winning situation. And now, obviously, they are in the Rose Bowl. How much does that blow your mind when you look back at 20-year-old Pace Mannion on a basketball powerhouse, you're playing in Sweet 16s, and the poor football coaches are schlepping around the basketball arena, and now they're in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, we used to laugh at the football guys because we'd get – I mean, you know, we had more fans than they did. Um, and but – and we'd see the football coaches. Obviously, they, we, we liked all those guys. We were going to give them McBride and Juki and all the guys you'd see up there, but I wasn't going to harass them. But it's, they've come a long way. You know, you got to give Kyle credit. You know, Urban came in and turned it around, and, and Kyle's been phenomenal for the last 87 years, it seems like. But um, they got a tough one ahead of them. You know, that's going to be a great game, I think, going to the Rose Bowl. I, I like what they're doing. I, I watched them this year, you know, when the quarterback rising came in, they just kind of turned things around. And you just hope on, you know, I think they play on the first, don't they? Yep. Yeah. You hope you hope they can run the ball. Because if they can run the ball, it seems like that's the one thing Ohio State struggles with is, is that. Because I think they're averaging like 550 yards and 45 points a game. They're, you give them the ball back, they're, you know, they're good. But I, didn't I read, I thought I read that some of their, did some of their receivers decide to sit out? Yeah. I didn't know how much yeah. you got that with the time difference there in Italy. But two of their top three receivers, a starting offensive lineman, a tackle, and a starting defensive lineman. So four players have opted out to protect yeah. their, their health for the NFL. Yeah, well, I, you can't blame them. And, you know, it's a, and it's, it's a great you know, chance for some young kid to step in and play really well. And you don't know who's good behind those guys. So that's a – you know, that's a wild card as well because, you know, they recruit very well there. So it might not be that big of a drop-off. But, you know, obviously Utah's got their hands full. And, I, you know, I'm happy they're there. And I wish them luck. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be watching. Well, the only sad thing is that you don't have the red and the blue show and uh, you can beat up on Alema like you did in that Fiesta Bowl season. Poor Alema. Well, but Nick, I, BYU got Utah this year, so. <laughs> That's true. He, I, he I, can't, I can't give him too much, too much this year, but it, it was fun while it lasted. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pace, we appreciate the time. We will talk to you again later this season, and uh, good luck to Nico, and tell him DJ and PK say hi. I will. Thanks, guys. All right, there is Pace Mannion. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Stay with us.